You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, FanSided, Pro Football Weekly. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. My Packers mock draft is up now at FanSided. I have a column up from yesterday at Acme Packing Company about Demarius Randall. We're going to talk about that at the top of the show. We're also going to talk about Mike McCarthy's candor in Orlando at the owners' meetings and his being upfront about the needs that this team has. And we're going to finish with some controversy about a rule change. The NFL changed two rules and... One of them, it seems like the headline for the rule change was the catch rule. The Des Bryant catch from the NFC Divisional Round. The famous Des caught it play, even though we all know Des didn't catch it. Will now be ruled to catch the Jesse James catch from the Steelers-Patriots game. That will now be a catch. But there was another rule that became hugely controversial on Twitter on Tuesday. So we're going to talk about that as well. But let's start with the Demarius Randall issue because what happened was somewhat fascinating. And just backing up a second, Demarius Randall played free safety at Arizona State. He tested athletically like a corner in his ability to change directions, his speed, all the things you look for in a corner. Demarius Randall, for whatever you want to say about his play as a cornerback for the Green Bay Packers was a very talented athlete and was an instinctive playmaker. He didn't always give good effort. He was not a sound tackler. He did not always execute what the coaches asked him to execute, but he was very physically talented, but he was a free safety in college. And after the Packers decided to trade him to Cleveland, it was reported right away that Demarius Randall was going to play safety for the Browns, making him the second Packers defensive back in two years to switch positions upon leaving. And it's sort of three if you count Casey Hayward because he went to a scheme that used him very differently than the Packers under Dom Capers. So the obvious question was, was he playing out of position? And then Mike McCarthy comes out on Tuesday and says, flat out, That he was. Here is what he said. We were going to play him in more of a safety nickel type role. I think that's his natural position. I think we all recognize that. Him playing as much corner for us was the best thing for our defense at the time with Morgan and HaHa and really utilizing the players the best we can. Obviously, we've had issues outside with corner staying healthy the last two years, and that's a product of him playing out there. And he played it well when he was healthy, when he stays in the game. This is a somewhat stunning admission for Mike McCarthy. For him to say, yeah, Demarius Randall was playing out of position. We knew he was playing out of position, but we didn't do anything about it. 
and then to say, well, we were going to, but then Brian Gutekinds traded him. I wrote about this yesterday for Acme Packing Company, and, and I, I recommend you go and read the article, but we're going to get into it right now. And this is this is fascinating to me because in 2013, the Packers drafted Micah Hyde, and he played the slot. He played mostly corner. He was a corner at Iowa. In 2014, the Packers drafted HaHa Clinton-Dix and gave Morgan Burnett a contract extension. But they needed help in the defensive backfield. They had Casey Hayward. He was he had been having issues with injuries. He was not the player he was in 2012 when he had that outstanding rookie season. So the secondary continued to need help. The Packers draft Demarius Randall. He plays corner. Casey Hayward starts outside. Eventually, he gets forced inside because Demarius Randall is playing so well. Hayward was starting on the outside on the boundary. And then in nickel situations, which was most of the time, Hayward would slide to the slot and Randall would play outside. What we know now is the Packers really wanted to play Randall at safety. At least the coaches did. And yet, after the 2015 season, the Packers allow Casey Hayward to walk, forcing Demarius Randall, who was good as a rookie, to stay at cornerback. And so what looked like a failure of Dom Capers to evolve, and it was, was also Ted Thompson's inability to say, what we really need to do is bring in another cornerback that would allow Demarius Randall to play his natural position. And what Micah Hyde should have been doing is maybe they say, Micah, let's see if you can actually play corner we're going to put Demarius Randall, or at least we're going to give him the opportunity to do what you do. Play in the slot, play some deep, play all over the defense. Use his playmaking ability and his instincts, his speed, his range. But the, the Packers didn't do that. And so what happens in 2016 is the Packers allow Micah Hyde, who was a valuable contributor but was, was not a star. He walks. He goes to Buffalo, he plays free safety, and he becomes a Pro Bowl player. And it becomes clear he was being used ineffectively. And the crazy part of all of this is now Morgan Burnett, who was one of the players who was blocking Micah Hyde from playing his true position, and Demarius Randall from playing his true position, is now gone. He plays in Pittsburgh now. And Micah Hyde, who was one of the guys preventing Demarius Randall from playing his true position, is now in Buffalo. So why, a year ago, when the Packers drafted Kevin King, signed Devon House, Quinton Rollins is healthy in the preseason, and Demarius Randall is no better than the third corner, but was at times the fourth corner behind Rollins, House, and King, who they were trying to get in the action early. Why is he not playing safety ahead of Kentrell Bryce? Why are they not giving him? They eventually let him play in the nickel, and he played in the slot. Injuries eventually tied the Packers' hands. They had no choice but to play him at corner given the injuries that they had. But that is not Dom Capers' fault. That's Ted Thompson's fault. They didn't bring in because they were allergic to free agency, 
they didn't bring in enough talent to allow Demarius Randall to play the position that everyone agrees was his best position. Mike McCarthy admitted it, said, we all believe this is his best position. They've known that since they drafted him. And so this is an institutional failure. Coaches, front office, not just Dom Capers. Mike McCarthy has his hands in this because he can go to Dom and say, look, we need to figure this out. And he didn't. And so Mike McCarthy is on the hook here too. I didn't write that in the article because it would have gotten a little too convoluted, but that is the reality. And if you're the Packers front office, obviously Ted Thompson no longer calling the shots, either is Dom Capers. There's a reason. Because this is a trend. Failing to utilize the talent at hand and failing to add the kind of talent around those players that would allow them to succeed. If the Packers had more corners who could play like Casey Hayward can play, they could play a scheme that fit Casey Hayward. If they had been more willing to adapt and and be multiple with the way that they use some of their defensive backs, maybe HaHa Clinton Dix plays more in the box and Demarius Randall can play some deep safety or vice versa. Or or maybe they can play Micah Hyde more deep and they don't use as many too deep safety alignments. I mean, there, guys and girls, there are millions of ways this could have gone that would have been better than how it was handled. And what we're learning is Mike McCarthy, who, by the way, he has run out of you-know-whats to give. He's being honest. He's being open. And he's saying, this is what we're going to do. This is what the problems were. I mean, this is this was a come-to-Jesus offseason for Mike McCarthy. It really was. We're going to talk about that in just a second, but before we do, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, and you'll be entered to win our Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway. It's a $39.99 value. I want to give you an Edge subscription with all sorts of data behind the paywall. Some of the some of the best data that, that Pro Football Focus puts together, stuff like cornerback passer rating when targeted, or passer rating when targeted for a receiver. There's run blocking grades, pass blocking efficiency, uh, pass rush productivity, all sorts of proprietary information that only goes to subscribers. And you can be a subscriber if you win our contest. Name, Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes. One of the things that we were just talking about, the, the candor of Mike McCarthy, he talked about the needs on this team. And he reiterated, or in this case, probably iterated, with with clear and consistent honesty, pass rusher, cornerback. And that's not news to Packers fans. They know that those are the positions that this team needs to get a, an influx of talent for. They know that. The Packers know that. But Mike McCarthy saying so, that admission, this is another admission, another another moment of honesty. It's also a little bit cagey from Mike McCarthy because Mark Murphy siloed the organizational structure. We talked about this when it happens. So if Mike McCarthy wants something, he can go to Mark Murphy and say, Mark, I think we should do this. And then Mark goes to Brian Gutekinds and says, hey, here's the thing. Mike wants to do this. I think it's a good idea. Presumably, if Mark Murphy thinks it's a bad idea, he either won't relay it or he'll bring it and says, hey, Mike wants this thing. I don't know. What do you think? And then they can go from there. But so 
Mike McCarthy coming out and saying these are two areas where we need to improve puts the pressure on Brian Gutekinds to go make it happen. Go get impact players. Muhammad Wilkerson, even in a best-case scenario, probably not going to be a double-digit sack guy. That's not what they're going to ask him to do. That's not. It's not fair to ask him to be that. He's just not that guy anymore. He can still be a very good, very impactful player for the Packers. I would be very surprised if two of the first three picks in the draft are not pass rusher, cornerback. And if I had to guess, pass rusher, cornerback, receiver would be my thought. Now, I, I have, I'm of the mind that the Packers at some point will trade up. 45 and 76 plus 101, that's their second, third, and fourth round picks, by the draft value chart would be enough to get into the mid-20s. Now, when the Packers went up to get Clay Matthews, they had to overpay. In fact, overpay by a lot. Basically, the the comparison to an extra fourth. They could give up their entire day two stock plus both their fourths to move back into the first round. If they can get an edge rusher and a corner in the, in the mock that I did for fan-sided, it's Marcus Davenport and Josh Jackson. I think Packer fans would and should be thrilled with that as an outcome. I think if you look at the, the players at 14, there's a group of names. It starts with Denzel Ward and Derwin James. They are, I think, the top of the Packers list. Add Davenport and Landry and Josh Jackson. That is the group of five. Now, I have said before, I I think offensive line is potentially in play. I think Connor Williams from Texas, a tackle who can play guard. I think he could be a day one guard and an emergency right tackle if Brian Bulaga struggles with injury again and they need to slide someone out to right tackle, he would be a good fit if Jason Spriggs is not ready to go or struggles. But I think I think Justin McCray, again, I, I've said this over and over, I'm fine with Justin McCray at right guard. I don't think the offensive line is as big a problem as Packers Twitter does. And I think Aaron Rodgers can solve whatever problems they may have. But more than, and we saw him do that in the Bears game, by the way. They won a game I know it was against the Bears, but they have a pretty good defense, and they won a game with no offensive tackles on the field. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. They, they won a game with five guards because they didn't have their center either. But I think you have to look at those five names, Ward, James, Davenport, Landry, and Jackson. Jackson improved his combine numbers, looked better in passing drills at his pro day at Iowa. Maybe that alleviates some of the concerns that you have with him. But this is... What what And we talked about it earlier in the week. Signing Tremont Williams, and I do expect that Bro and or House will be on this roster by the draft. And potentially Brashad Brillian. We don't know what his situation is. Signing one of those guys would allow the Packers to just sort of say, we're going to let the board play out the way that it plays out. Because we don't, we don't have pressing needs. For whatever, for whatever Packers Twitter wants to say about the Packers' needs, they are not as pressing as Twitter would have you believe. I understand the Rams just signed a Dominican Sue. They trade for Tlaib and Marcus Peters, and they look like Super Bowl teams. Okay, they also lost Sammy Watkins, and their schedule is brutal. The NFC is better. The Vikings are marginally better. The Packers are going to be much better with Aaron Rodgers back. 
I think they're they're better than last year. There was an article on PackersNews.com about are the Packers actually better than they were last year? I think unquestionably they are better with Jimmy Graham and Muhammad Wilkerson and Tremont Williams. And and they're better if for no other reason than I think the defensive coordinator is going to make a huge difference. I think they're going to be able to scheme up pressure. They're going to play a more intuitive type of coverage and scheme, and they're going to be multiple, they're going to be aggressive, and they're going to be different week to week. They're going to change up what they want to do, the way that they attack. That is something we haven't seen, and it's something that they're going to do offensively. Mike McCarthy called this a scrub brush offseason with the offense, brought in Joe Philbin to revamp what they're going to do. Mike McCarthy's candor now clearly seems to be a reflection of his understanding and his clarity regarding the flaws of this team. Clearly, there were flaws he didn't recognize, admitted to an attitude of complacency. That this is how we do... Th- Part of the thing that makes Mike McCarthy so good is he's consistent and he's confident. And he thinks that his way is the way that works. And we talked about this during the season. It was why he was reticent to make the necessary changes. You have to be able to adapt. You have to be able to question your own process and say, are there ways I could be doing this better? And when you bring in offensive staff, by the way, McCarthy saying Aaron Rodgers was part of the process here, that perhaps he had input on bringing Joe Philbin back. Another admission from McCarthy that he couldn't do it alone. He needed help. That's huge. Those are huge admissions by the head coach. And it represents growth, important growth for the Green Bay Packers. You are listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local daily sports podcast network. Be sure to catch up on everything new across the NFL with Locked On NFL and Locked On NFL Draft. The last thing I want to touch on before we get out of here is just uh, this, this rule change with the crown of the helmet. And basically what it is, it's not the crown of the helmet per se. It's the lowering of the helmet. So the rule says a player who lowers his helmet, in other words, tilts it down to initiate contact with the opponent. It no longer has to be egregious to warrant an ejection. You can just be ejected. It is now like targeting in the college game. And this has come up multiple times for the Packers. The two hits that knocked out Devontae Adams are now ejection-worthy. And they were both suspension-worthy, by the way. Ejection-worthy. That is essential to this rule. Now, the, the problem is, is the rule is written as such that essentially being a running back seems like it's now illegal because every running back who tries to truck an opponent lowers his head to brace for contact because you you lower your body to put your shoulder into someone. You have to essentially dip your head. Now, that doesn't mean duck your head, but you you have to collapse your upper body to put your shoulder into someone. And there are times... You can't predict this. It's impossible to plan for it, given you don't know the angle exactly of their body, that when that happens, the running back puts his helmet into the helmet of a defender. 
And that can result in concussions in brain damage. And so it seems like it would be difficult to say this is this is a legal hit versus not. Here is what I will say to all of that. To me, it's no different. The rule for crown of the helmet, which is why I said it earlier, technically, and the NFL clarified this a few years ago, technically covers offensive players. Technically, a running back who puts the crown of his helmet into a defender is guilty of a penalty. It's just never called. A defender who puts his hand anywhere near the face mask for anywhere above a split second is going to get a penalty. An offensive player can can reach out and grab, a, a ball carrier at least, can reach out and grab the face mask and, and stiff arm a player, putting his hand all over the face mask of a defensive player and is never called. Or very rare. It's only called in very egregious cases. That is how this rule is going to be enforced. Unless a running back does something just crazy stupid or crazy dangerous, it's not going to be a penalty. But now things like that block, that Juju Smith-Schuster block on Vontae's perfect, he's out. He's out. That is, you are done. Bye. There's, there's, these are the hits. So the thing that I have long been an advocate for these types of rule changes. I think you have to start ejecting players. You have to, you have to get in their pockets. I mean, it's, it was never fair that if you're a defensive player, you could go in and, and hit the quarterback of another team, the most vital position on the field, injure them, do damage to their brain potentially. And the only thing it would cost you is 15 yards. And now that player is out of the game. Cannot be. Cannot be. If you do something dangerous, you cannot play. And that is what this rule is now saying. I understand this issue that people have that you can't legislate all these hits out of the game. No. You can legislate out the dangerous ones. The obviously dangerous plays. There are going to be times, there are going to be players who are ejected for plays that were that were at least pretty close to unavoidable. But what the league has to do is they have to get the reckless plays out of the game. You have to play in control. And that is going to mean heads up tackling. That is how they teach tackling. And there's a reason they teach it that way, because it is the safe way to tackle. The first scene in Friday Night Lights, the TV show, Jason Street, Throws a pick, and what does he do? He runs after the guy who has the ball, and he tries to tackle him. And what does he do? He ducks his head. And he spends the rest of the show in a wheelchair. It is too dangerous to not be played the right way. And the league has to do what it can to get the reckless hits out of the game. And that means you have to start ejecting guys. This is a step in the right direction. I think it it was purposely written vague so that they could narrow it down after a year. I don't think it's going to be used a ton over the course of the season, but I think it will be used. I think there will be some controversial calls, and a year from now, they will tweak it and they will narrow it down. But making this move was an important one. All right, we have been just packed full of news 
over the course of the last few weeks, and, and I've been wanting to get to a positional review. And we just, we frankly, we've had too much to talk about. So hopefully we'll get to do that on Friday. I'm just not going to make any promises because there is too much to talk about. There's too much good discussion to be had around this team, around the league. There could be more news to be had, and, and we get ever closer to the draft. So there's going to be rumors. There's going to be more players who qualify for the Packers thresholds. Acme Packing Company is tracking all of that. I'm going to have a piece in the next week or two about draft strategy. And we're going to look at the players who meet the athletic profile that the Packers are looking for and figure out, okay, if we're going to roadmap the NFL draft, and don't worry, we'll go through it on the show. But if you're going to roadmap it and say, okay, where are the players projected to go who fit their types? These are the, This is the strategy the Packers could use. Because if if there are 17 corners who fit their profile, and there aren't. But if there were, it's less important to get one in the first. If there's only two premier pass rushers who fit their model, you got to get one early. This is this is something that I think not a lot of fans think about when they say, oh, if they don't get player X or position X at 14, then, you know, cancel the draft or whatever. That's not how this works. So I'm going to go through that. That's something that, that we'll take a closer look at over the next few weeks. And we're going to have a lot more to discuss. There will probably be more free agency news. There's going to be more draft news. A lot more to discuss. My Twitter feed is where you can ask me questions. Peter underscore Bukowski or at Locked on Packers. Acme Packing Company. Remember, all of the podcast content is at Locked on Packers. So you have to stay Locked on Packers. Packers.